Good morning, church. You can go ahead and open up your Bibles this morning to Exodus 20. We'll be looking at verses 3 through 6 together this morning, and I'll go ahead and read the text for us and we can jump right in. Moses writes, You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and to the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word this morning. Now, I want to begin our short time together this morning with a supposal. Now, this scenario that I'm about to ask you to imagine is based on true events, but I've, I've stretched it a little bit this morning for our purposes, and you'll, you'll see how. But I want you to imagine with me this scenario. My wife, Allie, and I were sitting down together at a table 10 years ago, and we're having a conversation together, laying out ground rules about how to love her and how not to love her. And in this conversation, she says to me, okay, here's what I want in our relationship. I want you to be a one-woman man. I want you to not hurt me physically or emotionally. I want you to provide for me. I want you to lead me spiritually. I, I don't want you to be like other men who call women names. And I don't want you to move me away from my family, right? Now, what would you guys think about me if I said, you know, I, I understand that this is how you want me to love you, but I think that I know better than you, and I can certainly do better than that. You guys would probably think that I was being arrogant and full of myself. right? You, you would think that I was being brash and, and condescending, and rightly so. I would be all of those things if she told me how I could best love her and yet were to disregard her wishes. And beloved, here's what I want you to see this morning. The same is true when we disregard God's commandments. Amen? You see, when we disregard His commandments, which tells us how He desires to be worshipped and loved, we are guilty of the very same things that I just mentioned a moment ago. And so with that in mind this morning, we'll be looking at the second way God has given us to love and to worship Him, which is found in the second commandment, which is, You shall make no graven images. Now, to set up the historical context of this commandment this morning, I want to take us back to the ancient world. As we discussed last week, one of the recurring problems in the ancient world was the problem of idolatry. And while Israel spent hundreds of years in Egypt, 430 to be exact, they would have undoubtedly experienced this problem firsthand. Exodus 1.11 says that Israel was forced to build the Egyptian cities of Pithom, Pyramses, and one other translation, the Greek Septuagint, adds that they were forced to build the Egyptian city of On, which was called Heliopolis after the Greeks conquered the known world. Now, here's what's interesting about that. The city of On literally meant the house of Ra. Now, if you're not up to date on your Egyptian religion and mythology, Ra was the sun god of Egypt. He was one of the fallen angels from the Babel event who led Egypt astray, and you can learn about that more in, the Deuter in Deuteronomy 32 and 8. 
Now, I want you to imagine with me what that would have been like for them, okay? As followers of Yahweh, they're being abused with crushing labor. They're forced to build cities for the idols of Egypt. They were forced to move large stones to build monuments. Right? They're, they're being forced to engrave Ra's image on these monuments that they've built in hieroglyphs. And they're forced to watch people literally bowing down to these images that they were forced to create. I mean, this would have been normal, everyday life, seven days a week for Israel while in Egypt. But now, at this point in the Exodus story, Yahweh has saved them out of Egypt. And in his grace, he tells them the second way that they can love him and serve him in the second commandment. Here's what he says. You shall not make for yourselves a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, that is in the earth beneath, that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them and serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. In other words, he's saying this to Israel. He says, hey, I don't want you to worship me the way that Egypt worshipped the fallen angels who they believed were gods. Right? I want you to worship me the way that I want to be worshipped. And here's how I want you to worship me. I don't want you to make any images of me or to, or, or to create anything else not appointed by my word. I want you to keep your worship of me pure. I don't want anything to distract you from me, for I am a jealous God. The Baptist Catechism guides us by saying it this way, The second commandment requires the receiving, the observing, and the keeping pure the entirety of all religious worship and ordinances as God has appointed in his word. The second commandment forbids the worship of God by graven images uh, or any other way not appointed in his word. The reason for the second commandment are God's sovereignty over us, his propriety in us, and his zeal, the zeal that he has, to his own worship. Now, beloved, I think that this commandment is still very relevant for us today, and here's how. We are currently living in an age in the history of the church where the worship of God has become very impure. Very few churches today are concerned with worshiping God according to his word. Right? Worship in many local churches today is nothing more than a glorified, seeker-sensitive rock concert in the name of contextualization where it's about the individual's encounter and experience more than it is about the God who redeemed us and is worthy of being glorified. Right? Sermons have become self-help, motivational talks. The content of the service has moved away from being centered on the Word of God and has been replaced with charismatic utterances, the unchecked use of spiritual gifts, and prosperity preaching that makes man the center of the service rather than God. And Beloved, that's just the evangelical tradition of the church. In the Catholic and the Eastern Orthodox traditions, you still have people who quite literally craft images of God, the saints, and bow down to them and pray to them. And you see, these things, brothers and sisters, is exactly what this commandment is forbidding us to do. 
Now, with that in mind this morning, let me ask you this. When you approach God in your worship and in your communion with Him, are you offering Him unauthorized worship? Are you offering Him things that He hasn't commanded or possibly things that He has commanded against? You see, this is my fear for our generation, that many of us have created a God who is the figment of our imagination, who looks nothing like the God of the Bible. A God who accepts our sin and never asks for repentance. A God who would never demand anything of us, especially that we worship Him how He wants to be worshipped. A God who is cool with doing whatever it is that you want to do. Listen, you can rest assured that you've created a God in your own image when it turns out that He hates all the same things that you hate and that He loves all of the same things that you love. So then, where can we look this morning for cleansing? And where can we find help in keeping and in modeling this command? Well, beloved, just as I said last week, we must look unto Jesus. Amen? You see, in Jesus, the Word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. He is the image of the invisible God. And only by looking to His becoming flesh, living in our stead, and dying and rising again as the substitute for our sins, can we find cleansing and forgiveness for violating this command. And not only do we find forgiveness and cleansing by looking to Him, but we also see what this commandment looks like modeled for us perfectly, beloved. Let me tell you a story about how. You see, in his day, as in ours, the worship of God had become very corrupted. In John's gospel, after Jesus' baptism, which mirrored Israel's crossing the Red Sea, and after he had been tempted on the mountain by Satan and kept the first commandment, guess what happened next? In John 2, he goes to a wedding in Cana in Galilee, and there's a feast and there's wine that's reminiscent of the manna coming down from heaven during Israel's track through the wilderness. But afterwards, something interesting happens. Jesus makes his way to Jerusalem, and while he's there around the Passover, he goes into the temple and he finds people selling oxen, sheep, pigeons, and money changers sitting in the temple. You see, these people had come into the temple of God where sacrifices were to be made to him, where the worship of him occurred, and they were making money off of the people of Israel. They had literally corrupted the worship of God. They were doing things not prescribed by God in his word. And I want you to recall with me, what was Jesus' response? He fashions a whip of cords. He drives everyone out of the temple, and he pours out the coins of the money changers. He overturns their table, saying, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. You see, Jesus was consumed zealously about the right worship of God. And in conclusion, brothers and sisters, it is my prayer that we also would be consumed zealously with the right worship of God as well. And that this Father's Day 2020, that we would honor our Father and that we would love Him the way that He has commanded for us to love Him. Let's pray.